Today's episode of the Hot 4 podcast is proudly sponsored by SSV Limited. From tanks to full brew houses, SSV Limited has got you covered. SSV Limited have established themselves as the go-to partner to help you grow your brewery. High quality tanks, parts, brewing kit, coupled with the knowledge and experience to ensure your project runs smoothly from beginning to completion, whether it's equipment supply, fully turnkey or anything in between. Their parts shop stocks well over a thousand essential brewing parts to keep your brewery up and running, many of which are available on next day delivery. Visit their website on ssvlimited.co.uk. That's ssvlimited.co.uk. This is Nick Law, and you're listening to the Hot Forward Podcast, getting you ahead in the brewing and beer business. Hotforward.beer is a podcast and website dedicated to the beer industry, supporting budding beer entrepreneurs by gaining insights from experienced brewers and folk within the craft beer industry. So grab a glass, pour yourself a beer, and let's get into this week's episode. Happy Christmas, everyone. Nearly. Although I'm sure you've been in the festive throng since about November, October, September even, getting ready for Christmas. Um, Now, last night I tried recording the intro to this podcast a little differently than I'm used to. Um, I've had a load of beers that I've packaged recently and I'm getting into shops this weekend. It's been a long time coming and um, I was sat labelling and boxing. So I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to multitask. Okay, now if you didn't hear, I'm up for an award with the British Guild of Beer Writers for the best beer broadcaster. Uh, By the time you listen to this, I'll either be crowning glory or drowning my sorrows in commiseration. Um, Either way, on reflection, listening to my ramblings and musings last night and trying to edit what was quickly becoming a 25 minute intro, I'm pretty sure they wouldn't shortlist, let alone hand out awards to people who publish content like this. So if you can hear the sound of rustling and cans, then you know what that is. Um, so yeah, it's going to take a little bit of a different uh, format this week. Um, this doesn't get talked in the beer. In- oh my word, did you hear that? a plane taking off I'm hand labelling all these but I'm going to have to move that from there because that's like some kind of like stealth bomber hardly British Guild of Beer Writers award winning content right there oh and by the way past Nick a stealth bomber is called a stealth bomber because it's quiet hence the word stealth think of that Good night, future boy. this podcast has taken different shapes and forms over the years I've recorded at beer festivals in breweries in bars Um, in offices, all kinds of places. And we covered a lot of ground over the last two years of running the show. We've covered everything from brewing technical science to brand and business development. But one of the topics we haven't discussed at any great length is that personal development. Now, I know what you might be thinking. You're like, Nick, just give us the good brewing stuff. You know, I want to know about how to get more bang for my book out of dry hopping or how I can use polyphenols during brewing to improve flavour, quality and stability in my beers. And that's all good stuff. And if you go back over the podcast over the last two years, then you can hear some of that stuff. Actually, I was looking the other day, the most downloaded episode of the Hop Forward podcast over the last two years has been all about biofilm and cleaning. So you can see what brewers out there are putting their value in. But for me, without personal development, there wouldn't be a Hot 4 podcast. 
Over the years, I owe it to leaders whom I've worked under or countless books, such as The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Dr. Stephen Covey that I just utterly devoured, and podcasts such as Rob Moore's The Disruptive Entrepreneur uh, to better myself and grow as an individual and a leader. Leadership can be a divisive term, and I suspect for some of you listening that this will come down to being subjugated by bad managers and bosses that have treated you unfairly at best and possibly screwed you over at worst. You might be looking at the news, especially during this time of crisis, and see our political leaders who should be leading by example, who clearly aren't. Or perhaps you're part of an organisation and you disagree with decisions being taken in that organisation with every fibre of your being because they don't align with your value system. A lot of this comes down to our our values, as you'll hear in today's discussion. And I totally, totally understand that. Believe me, everything I say in this episode today, I've, I've been there. Okay, I totally understand. And I think this is why good leadership and management are essential for both running a beer business and taking responsibility for your own life. I mean, quite simply, if you can't lead yourself, like God help those who are following you. For every dysfunctional manager or boss you may have had or even may still have, it makes you appreciate, look out for and surround yourselves with the ones who inspire you who encourage you, who build you up, who openly challenge you in a healthy way, but equally aren't afraid to be challenged themselves and amend their ways and actions should they need it. I mean, after all, we all are human. And I think a lot of this comes down to the humility of those in a position of leadership and authority and power to admit that and to assess their own behaviours and their own personalities. Now, I've had the privilege of meeting and working with some fantastic individuals and leaders whilst in the beer industry, and one of which is my friend Christian Barden from Kegstar. Coming from a background in brewing and hospitality, Christian is an entrepreneur who is involved in a variety of businesses and a keen advocate for creating a working culture that aims to get the best out of the team and maintain a healthy, dynamic, honest and open working environment. While this episode does touch upon a few beer industry points such as SBR, we mostly discuss and centre our conversation on leadership skills, personal development and creating the kind of atmosphere where teams and people feel valued, known and rewarded fairly for their contributions. And to be honest with you, if that doesn't have anything to do with brewing or being involved in a beer business, I genuinely don't know what does Personal development and betterment is absolutely key to hiring people or gracefully letting people move on to building a successful business uh, right through to motivating people and understanding them or communicating clearly and well. The most successful businesses and organisations I've ever been privy to have leaders who both embody humanity in its most virtuous sense and draw the best out of people by challenging them. The conversation I had with Christian Barden from Kegstar a few weeks back is a bit different than you may be used to on this podcast. In its simplest form, it's two mates discussing a topic we're both passionate about. But if you allow yourself to really think through what you're hearing, for us to look at our own behaviours and mentality and take note, I think together we can build a brighter, better industry for everyone involved. Wouldn't you love your business to have the kind of culture that puts people before profits, that's more concerned with the welfare of its employees than a well-oiled production line? It's the classic story of the goose and the golden egg. Without people, there are no profits. 
Without investing in your staff, there is no business. Good leadership and people skills are paramount to brewing up a better beer business. I know that's what I want for my company. And it's great to meet people like Christian who want that for theirs. I sincerely hope for you listening, that's what you want for yours. And maybe this conversation will help you aspire to growing and developing that kind of culture within your beer business. Finally, you can follow us on all the socials at Hopford Beers. And you can check out our website, which is hopford.beer, where you can see some of the work we do with brewers and beer businesses of all shapes and sizes, helping to develop their branding, their marketing and business development. Go and check that out. So let's take a deep dive into the world of personal development, leadership and business culture in my conversation today with beer business entrepreneur Christian Barton. Today on the Hot Four Podcast, I'm joined by my good friend Christian Barden. Hello. Hello, mate. You're I'm, I'm good, thanks. How are you? Very good, thank you. Yeah. It's, it's, we'd planned to do this in person. This would have been the first in-person podcast that I would have done since lockdown. But alas, we, we couldn't do it, could we? No, it's, um, it's a, a sign of how fast things change at the moment and how everybody's um, having to change uh, their business models to look after their people and keep things moving because we didn't intend to be in a brewery tap but um, uh, at least the modern technology means we can do it this way yeah well I mean I found that um, before lockdown when I do podcast recordings over zoom or skype or whatever you know particularly if they were native to the UK there'd be a bit of kind of like okay why can't you do this in person you know, um, I, I mean, I was used to working remotely, but, um, you know, so it was always a little bit weird, but now it's kind of like the norm. So that's really good that I can speak to loads of different people from the comfort of my own house. So, But it is nice doing them in person. It certainly is. We'll get there soon, mate. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, you've got quite a impressive resume within the world of beer and without. So just for some of our listeners that may not be familiar with who you are, can you share some of your experiences both within the beer industry and just as an entrepreneur over the years? Uh, certainly. I was um, a very lucky lad to join what was uh, then with Red Beer Company. Uh, back in the day, which rapidly became uh, a, um, an interbrew and then an InBev and then an AB InBev. And I had a wonderful sort of 15 years with those guys before uh, making the leap to a bit more of a, of a plural world and started to not exec work um, uh, as well as sort of still um, working within, how should I say, probably mainstream sort of PLC style drinks. And that sort of was always the plan to kind of go SME and startups and turnarounds. And um, through that, uh, you're right, worked always been in beer. Um, my kids only know uh, a life involving around the beer industry, um, but also hospitality. And more recently, actually, all of that I'm involved in is tech-based as well. Mm. So um, very lucky. Um, and guess what? Great people are behind all of my very fond memories throughout all of that. Um, great people are behind all of the wonderful experiences that I've had. And, um, and I can probably think of sort of eight to ten people that have been really influential in um, helping me get to this point, whether they know about it or otherwise. Mm. And, um, and so it's been a wonderful journey and I kind of feel really indebted to um, beer and hospitality uh, and the fun that I've had uh, and the, uh, the career that I've had so far, which ultimately has also um, meant that we've been able to have a nice um, family life too. Amazing. So can you name some of the, the, the brands that you've worked with? I know you work with Cakestar and... 
Yeah, so Kegstar's um, uh, the, the most recent. So we started that four years ago um, in, uh, in Europe and uh, went out to the heady heights of sort of 15 people, we expanded into Ireland and the Netherlands, etc. cetera. And, uh, and that's been an absolute blast and uh, very rewarding. Um, and uh, uh, on the, uh, from the non-exec perspective, the likes of um, uh, Sprout, and, uh, which is a CRM for hospitality, uh, and the good guys at Brewbroker as well. Um, and sort of over the years, uh, it's been things like um, Stella Artois, Bex and Budweiser and of course from a Kickstar point of view we're working with whatever over a thousand breweries around the world now uh, and all of the brands that come out of there um, and uh, which uh, uh, as a brand lover um, then uh, that's, a, that's a wonderful thing to be involved in and um, uh, right the way through to sort of small distributor and wholesale operations um, that uh, have either moved on, sold on uh, or are no more but either way um, life has moved on and it's been fantastic. Yeah. So usually on the show, we, we cover a wide range of topics applicable to the beer industry as, as a whole, whether it's brewing or the dispense of beer, the marketing, branding, sale of the liquid and the business models that drive all that. However, something I've always been very keen on, which I feel is massively underrepresented in the brewing and beer industry is personal development and leadership. And when I met you, um, you just kind of ooze all that. Um, so I guess my first question is what, why do you think that personal development isn't something that gets talked about in the brewing and hospitality industry very much or at best takes a back seat yeah um, I think I think it does I think there's a kind of there's a, there's a consciousness there um, but it's like so many other things you know it's hard um, it's time consuming um, we can't always see the instant rewards and guess what as human beings we like that sort of stuff and whether you're investing money or investing time um, and the other thing is is we tend to by default we don't really trust each other uh, or make things really safe for each other so we don't trust that the output will happen uh, we don't trust ourselves um, to, to sort of make that leap in helping somebody's development or developing ourselves and so um, so there's a whole load of kind of invisible barriers behind that um, that maybe mean that we don't make the leap that we should. And I guess that really tough thing from a leadership point of view is, is the moment you start to encourage development, you've got to live it and breathe it in front of everybody mm. um, or else it's almost a, a, false, a false economy of development. Yeah. I guess you can set yourself upon a pedestal almost, you know, and... Um you know, from great heights, you can fall if, if you're seen to be, you know, being all virtuous and, you know, sanctimonious even, yeah. um, you know, I always think the best leadership comes out of a place of humility, you know, admitting that you don't always get it right and, and so on, um, you know, and lead by example rather than like do as I say sort of thing. But I've met plenty of brewers who openly, quote unquote, don't go in for that management crap. Um, why do you think people take that view on personal development and leadership and management skills and how would you try and change someone's perspective so they might receive the fruits and the, the benefits of personal development i think it's um i think you've already touched on it mate you've talked about humility and i can't remember where or who i've heard this from but there's and i'll probably completely mess it up but it's something along the lines of until i can appear weak in your eyes i can't really grow and so if you're going to lead, you've got to be 
seem to make mistakes. And if you're going to develop, it means that ultimately you're admitting there's some blind spots there. And so I think, you know, it's our parents, our teachers, uh, the coaches that we've met, human beings that we're kind of, we can be quite cynical so-and-sos. And we're kind of taught that all of this development stuff kind of says that there's a problem. And there's not. Um, and that um, the moment we start to move into this fact that one person's behaviour that's really strong means that it's just like a, a kind of tower block in the sunshine, you know, you end up with a shadow. Mm. And that shadow's okay as well. It just kind of happens in nature and it happens in life. And once we realise that those strengths are ultimately things to build upon, rather than the traditional, you have a weakness, let's focus on it, which doesn't make anybody feel particularly good. Then you can kind of start to get into a zone where it's not, and I'm quite sure there are people listening to this thinking, well, that's just leadership crap, Christian. Um, it is until we really stick our neck out. But I would also say that that default response is also the response of, well, that's a convenient way not to embrace people's development, our own development, and all those other things that go with it. Because every day is a school day. And I seem to remember having quite a good time through my school days. And <laughs> lots of things that weren't great, but if every day is a school day, then it's exciting. Mm. See, I was going to ask for my next question, like, you know, um, what makes a good leader? And then similarly, what, what makes a bad leader? But I guess in light of what you just said, that it, it, with these things, it's so easy con to construe, well, a, a good leader has these attributes but not these attributes and i always think it's so much more complicated than you know su such um polarized thinking there's a lot of polarized thinking around at the moment either you, you're in the right camp or the left camp you're either good or bad they're either out to get you or they're not out to get you um so so i guess the question would be what qualities makes for leadership, I guess that might be a better way of putting it. Um, wow, uh, loads of things. Um, but to try and help out or help my help um, uh, how I see uh, or, or look at these things, so, you, know, you can Google any moment in time sort of types of leadership. Yeah, and somewhere along the line, we fit into all of those. Yeah, whether it be autocratic, whether it be laissez-faire, leading from within, leading from the front, aspirational. Um, you know, uh, uh, right the way through to situational. And I think therein lies that last bit, which is situational leadership is the key. There are times at which you know you've got to be really clear. There's got to be about what has to be done. There's also going to be times where you've got to make sure that that time's available for people to talk and just to get stuff off their chest before mm. you can worry about development, etc. So I think you know having a good look at that stuff to kind of almost thought provoke um, to understand the kind of leader that we are and understand that um, however you lead, that's okay but it's what else you can do um, in addition to that. And then, um, you know, way smarter people than I um, uh, have come up with plenty of these kind of leadership theories, but I think the one that works the nicest is the stuff that's in the Jim Collins book, Good to Great, which is level five leadership. And mm. when you ask about, you know, what makes a bad leader? Well, like anything else, um, you do as I say, because I'm in charge. 
which I couldn't think of anything more disappointing, yeah. more debilitating and more frustrating. Um, and at the same time, we know a fair few of them. Um, and then that flip side, which is what uh, Jim Collins talked about, which is the level five leader, which is you kind of just follow people because of what they do and how they do it and what they stand for. You know, everything's very sort of authentic, which comes back to your point a few moments ago about humility. And, um, and dare I say, you know, we will move around the, the, the levels, but that's what makes a good leader and that's what makes an absolutely shocking leader. And yeah. one of the things that we talked about before this, she kind of said, I think it was like, you know, good advice, poor advice, etc. cetera. But, um, and I'm kind of going off piste here, but I remember a wonderful leader saying to me, and I had my first ever experience of a bad leader, a classic manager. <laughs> and, um, and I was getting a few things off my chest and this leader was fantastic because they didn't cast judgment. They didn't take my word for it. They listened to all of this and they really listened. And then they said, can't do anything about it now, apart from just remember never to do that to anybody else. And it was gold dust because the point was, is that's what a level five leader does. Mm. Yeah, I, I think unless you've worked under somebody who is that kind of leader you just described, not not the level five leader, but the other, the, you know, the, the other, yeah, level one leader. Um, I, I think when you work for somebody who really values you as a human being, an individual, and 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 value is the word, putting the value in the right place, I think you don't really appreciate that until after. So I, I worked for somebody for for a long time. In, in many ways an absolute exceptional leader in in lots of ways um you know very results driven and and that kind of thing but just there was a lot of dysfunction there in micromanaging and, and at the time i didn't really see all that or you saw it in part and you think well you know they're a bit dysfunctional but you know it's fine that they're a good leader but it was only after stepping out of the environment i was like there were a lot of things about that which was pretty toxic you know, and, and really unhealthy and, 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 and did a lot of damage to my psyche, I think. Stuff I'm still, I guess I'm working through now and recovering from now. So, like, just for any of our listeners that may, maybe they're working in a bar or a brewery or somewhere and the, the, they have that kind of, that gut feeling deep down inside that they can't even articulate. That's just like something doesn't sit right about this person who's in authority over me from an employment point of view. But similarly you kind of feel traps in particularly at the moment with covid and jobs are pretty scarce um you know like how should an employee deal with that kind of situation when they're when they're working under somebody who's kind of like that and they've got that deep feeling if you know what i mean i do know what you mean um there's that wonderful uh maya angelou uh phrase that i only bumped into as a result of reading a uh, ian mcgeekin's um book which was uh, it doesn't matter what people say and do and um, people will remember the way you make them feel yeah and you know i talk about it with the kids my kids uh, i talk about it um, uh, within the businesses that i'm involved in and we kind of hold it really true within kickstart which is if something doesn't feel right don't don't suddenly go into this elongated justifying it it isn't right and so what do you do about it well, if you know something's not right, then you've got to work out why it's not right. And if you work out why it's not right, then you can start to work how you address it. 
but you know it doesn't matter you know we kind of we talk about leadership and interestingly we instantly talk we all instantly think of a hierarchy mm. you know, think of anything worse um and um you know you have to have hierarchies in businesses and you kind of have to have hierarchies because at some point you've got to have a captain to make decisions um when things are going on whether it be good or bad but you know we're all human beings. We don't like having mirrors held up to us. Hmm. And sometimes those mirrors don't tell us you know, the story that we perhaps might like to think. And so, you know, doing that kind of work allows you to address it the right way. And, um, and that sort of, that, and it's really tough because we've all worked with people who, you know, you even, you know, think of raising your head above the parapet and it will get knocked off. Yep. But, um, um, but there are lots of good people around and I tend to believe that most people are good and by knowing exactly why it's not feeling right, constructing it the right way, you can start to affect change because my goodness, there's enough people who've affected change that are way more challenging than just a bad leader. And, um, and it often leads to something good. But again, why don't you do it? Because you'd, um, you'd sooner blame the circumstance and move on to something new. Uh, you'd sooner maybe not realise that maybe you're part of that problem as well. And, um, and all those other things that come in. But certainly triggering when it doesn't feel right, decoding properly from a human point of view, not clever language, but human point of view why it doesn't mm. feel right, and at least attempting to do something about it is the yeah. very start of any journey. Yeah. So for any business owners or employees even to this, like what, what are some of the personal habits you could develop that would help you grow as, as a human being and a, a professional and then maybe instill those habits and qualities in others that either work for you or work with you. Um, there is, and I, my goodness, I wish I, I had this to hand, which is um, there's that wonderful thing of the, the 10, um, the 10 uh, traits that require zero talent. And it's so wonderful and so simplistic that that's what I'd push anybody to do. Go and have a look at that stuff. It's about, you know, having the right attitude. It's about, you know, standing tall with your shoulders back and, your, your, you know, your head up. It's about, uh, it's about listening. It's about being coachable. Um, it's, it's real simple stuff that makes a difference to the person or the people that are working with you. And in turn, you know, you end up with a bunch of people that can do the 10 things that require zero talent, you know degrees go out the window, A-levels go out the window, GCSEs go out the window. And we've all worked with people who are just, I guess the, the common language we use is kind of like, they're just a grafter and they're good fun to be around. Well, why wouldn't you want that? <laughs> yeah, that's kind of the 10, that, that's the best summary of the 10 things, if only I can remember them all, um, that requires zero talent. And, yeah. and that then sort of allows you to do a load of stuff. The other thing is I bumped into this a while ago through a guy called Philip Gordon, which is this lovely little model B do have. And I can firmly say that every time I focused on having something, I'd say that's the root cause of nearly every bad decision I've made or the bad impact I've had on a person. If you focus on being and doing the sorts of things that might allow you to get there, then wow, the world moves so much more, uh, uh, so much faster, with so much more fun and enjoyment. And the real focus is on that kind of, as best you can, and we've all got our quirks, but being you know, genuinely uh, altruistic. Yeah. Um, I mean, why, why do you think that so often? Because I know we've been having this kind of conversation um, in re recently, but why do you think that people tend to employ more then based on skills rather than like their underlying value system or, or, or personalities even? It's, that's how we've been taught to do it. 
and nobody's challenged the status quo and that um uh, and that with everything there is a balance of attitude and an attitude and so it's nice and easy and convenient to say does this person do these things therefore they can fit that job and um i, I remember reading an article sort of in, in one of the major newspapers recently about sort of you know, startups and how essentially with you know since the tech boom we've managed to create a whole load of people you know on plus hundred thousand pound salaries and the only thing they know how to do is burn through cash and close the business down from start to finish in two years and then move on to the next thing and the first question we ask is you know have you done a startup yes cool excellent they must be right nope (laughs) (laughs) and in a startup that gets really exposed because the money dries up and in a big business um, you end up affecting a whole load of people's lives and attitudes until you get found out and a good mate um, Johnny at uh, Discovery talks about it which is you know we, we kind of hire on, on attitude and we fire on attitude. Well, what about if we reverse it? Which is we hire on that attitude because you can do an awful lot with enthusiasm, which I, I know we're going to sort of touch on. And it kind of comes back to that thing of it, it's almost, we always, yeah, we try and think that we're sort of smarter and cleverer than we really are. And I've, thankfully, your, um, your, your sort of interlude there allowed me to quickly Google the 10 things that require zero talent. You know, being on time, work ethic, effort, energy, body language, passion, doing a little bit more, being prepared, uh, being coachable, and your last thing around uh, attitude as well. Um, because how do you score them? And ultimately, ultimately, if I'm going to judge those things, I better be a level five leader. And that's quite scary to admit as well. Hmm. So, um, so I think um, to your um, uh, to your to your sort of point as to you know uh, which one's best. Well, you need a blend of both of them, but sometimes the simple things are often the best. Yeah, I think you often come across stories, particularly in the brewing and beer industry and hospitality sector, of people moving on frequently from roles. Um, obviously some of it's down to like, you know, like in a bar, you might get a student that's doing, you know, they're paying off their student loan and they need some work and that's, you know, that's fair enough. But, um, I, I know particularly in, in brewing people move them cause they feel undervalued or underappreciated or underpaid, etc. Like how, how much, and I know it's different from circumstance to circumstance. So this is quite a broad brushstroke, but how, how much of this would you put down to, just you know bad leadership and management from maybe bosses or managers or company owners or on the flip side how much of it if we were truly honest with ourselves comes down to our own attitudes and if if you're in that position of thinking oh, i don't want to be here anymore i hate this job meh, 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 meh. like how do you discern the difference between the two whether you need to like actually change the funking record or actually you know it's time to move on um it's 50 50 and, uh, and let's face it, it will, the pendulum will swing in any given circumstance. Um, but I think, I think a lot of the time it, it, we end up setting a, we either end up setting a false expectation from a leadership point of view, or we end up having a false expectation uh, from, a, uh, from a, a day-to-day point of view. And actually, let's not worry about it from a leadership or anything else point of view. We either have those two things, regardless of whatever position we may, may have. And so that choose-your-own-attitude thing is, yeah, uh, my wife bought me a, a brilliant book, um, The Survivors Club. Um, oh man, the kids were really young and we were on holiday, we were camping in France and it was one of those things where I started reading the, the, the book and ended up going outside and reading it 
but cover to cover till about half past four in the morning and then started reading it, uh, finished the book one in night one and then carried on reading it for the, uh, again for the rest of the holiday. And it was genuinely kind of life-changing. But one of those things, I bumped into the story of, um, of Viktor Frankl and, you know, the, the story of, of, uh, of um, this, the principle of choosing your own attitude. And so with that in mind, it's not just about choosing it, it's also, you know, how you then... Uh, choose to address your attitude to the circumstances, etc. Mm. And so I don't know whether it's, you know, it, it might not even be bad management. It might just be that things are incompatible, not full stop, but just at that moment in time, even your story, even my story. Um, but it does come back a little bit to this kind of I'm okay, you're okay. And if you don't try and focus on being okay, you're going to drag everybody else down with you. But likewise, it's my responsibility to help you be okay. And um, and the moment you end up with this, I'm okay, you're not okay, you've got this one up, one down situation, and the moment you both aren't okay, then guess what? Then you genuinely are going to end up having to move on. But if you can get to I'm okay, you're okay, then that's kind of cool. And then you're in a really good sort of trusting relationship where it's okay to talk about these things, the things that are frustrating you. And, you know, lots of the time we take work at home, we take work, we take home to work, and the sooner we understand that we do all of that stuff, and it's okay to wait to feel the way you feel, so long as you're not being an a-hole with it, then that's pretty cool. Yeah, um, I'm going a little bit off track with some of the questions I pre-prepared with this, so just bear with the uh, the ramblings until I formulate the question. You hear a lot, particularly in the brewing industry, about like you know in- independent breweries versus like you know global beer companies or family brewers regional brewers you know and you've got these two loggerheads and you know it's like in- independence good the rest of it bad you know these guys over here they just want to make all the money you know we're, we're in it you know doing the graft and we're not making much and viva la revolution and all that you know you do hear these stories more from independent micro brewers where th- there's just like you know bad leadership and management and and unhealthy working cultures and and places where there is no hr and people are either taken for a ride or or abused or or whatever you know um i'm using some extreme language on purpose like hyperbole but um you know and i'm not saying they think those things don't exist in the global companies and all the rest of it but from my understanding there's a lot more structures in place and HR procedures and all the rest of it and and perks and benefits and pensions and all the rest of it in in that world so like do do you think the beer industry needs to change its attitude um as far as that kind of thing is concerned wow um whatever I answer here is going to be a a big statement um I think generally (laughs) no pressure (laughs) I think think generally people do um full stop you know in a world where you know, we're trying not to put people in boxes and it's finally and thankfully deemed as not okay to put people in boxes. Um, you know, suddenly, what do we default to doing? Well, you know, the big brewery must be up to this. No, the big brewery is just trying to do what, it, doing, do what it does. And if, you've, if the tables were turned, would you be happy with what that big brewer is doing? Well, of course I would. Um, or I might do it differently. Well, that's cool. That's why you kind of started your own business. Well, that's why you work in a smaller business. So you've got bigger chances to, um, uh, to influence it, et cetera. So, um, yeah, you know, we, we tend to sort of knock... Um, big versus small we tend to sort of 
uh, knock the um, you know the major brand versus the smaller brand. We set we tend to sort of do the whole championing the underdog and then sort of go and sort of uh, and, and then sort of bitch and moan about the sort of the champion. And actually, everybody's striving to do the same kind of thing. And more often than not, it's nothing more complex than sort of you know good old fashioned Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Yeah, which is <laughs> very few of us have the luxury of not having to go to work. Um, and um, and make sure that we're creating the right environment for our families um, in whichever way we can afford it. So, uh, too right, there needs to be um, a change in mindset to this stuff. And yeah. the sooner we can accept each other, and then you kind of go all that, all the way that there was um, the, the the poor. Um, the family uh, and the the MP uh, that was uh, stabbed outside her sort of constituency uh, mm. a couple of years ago, and you know one of the things that she was constantly pointing out, which is we've got more in common than we have that divides us, and look, we're all in this trying to sell beer, to to make great beer, yeah, big or small, that's definitely the case. We're all in this to try and market it and sell it the right way, and we're all in this to try and put um, roots above people's heads. So why can't we just enjoy that? And actually, a lot of what we've done at Kickstart from an absolute startup, there's things within our values that are absolutely what got drummed into me um, back in the Whitbread days. You know, debate, decide, do, and um, uh, and the be a friend to the industry that we're absolutely passionate about. You know, why wouldn't you? This that this industry is what gives you your friendships and gives you your income. Why wouldn't you be a friend to all of it rather than walking around trying to slag it off or punch it on the nose? Mm. Just off the back of that, then I mean, why? Because you said about the the little phrase there from Whitbread. Um, what was it? Debate, decide, do. Um, I mean, what, why do you think aspiration and motivation? important in a business because obviously i think with a, with a phrase like that you know they're, they're trying to get you to be motivated and, and and aspire to something better and can you give any examples from within the world of beer at the moment where people are doing this well well i think that, that first bit aspiration uh, motivation and um, it's quite simple because purpose drives belief and belief is a booster rocket to pretty much achieving anything you want to achieve and um, it doesn't matter um yeah it doesn't matter what you believe in, that kind of is a driving energy within you. Now, I'm not saying whether what you believe in is right or wrong, but it gives you a driving energy. And I think all over the shop, there are kind of stunning examples where people are absolutely in tune with what they're trying to achieve, what their business is trying to achieve, what their leaders are trying to achieve. And um, and then it becomes really easy to kind of just forge ahead. Um, specific examples, it's, uh, it, that's an interesting one. I could easily kind of uh, avoid answering the question or I can just say, do you know what? I think they're everywhere. You just got to have your eyes wide open. And with that humility that you talked about however long ago, that allows you to kind of then sort of take a fresh look. And even within your own business, don't you know, we've kind of lost our purpose here. Mm. You know, here we are, we're sort of, I don't know, in the northwest of the UK and we set this business up three years ago and it's been going great. And the moment we started focus on that brewery or that brand or that distribution channel, we started to get more and more bent out of shape. We got more and more frustrated. Yeah, why? Because you lost your purpose. If the purpose was around, we started this in order to do this with this particular brand and this particular business and go down this route, we'll stick to that. Or tweak it slightly, get everybody on, the debate decide do, and let's get cracking with it again. But man, focusing on the negative stuff is, is and, and this isn't a motivational speech, it's just a very genuine thing that, you know, you decide to go negative, that's exactly where you'll go. Yeah. 
No, I mean, I've, I've experienced it myself, you know, um, with Emmanuel's, which I, you know, I started off with a very strong vision, um, you know, with, with it having a, you know, um, with it being flavoured, I guess, with my own Christian faith and, and tradition um, of, you know, start off to, with the idea of sh- sharing the good news one beer at a time. And then I, I soon discovered when I started interacting with um, re- regular folk outside of the church that people didn't want religion forcing down their throats, just beer. So, you know, I, I, um, I, I quickly adapted that one um, and hit that nail on the head. But um, as, as I start to grow that brand for, you know, for just the quirky brand it was, um, I discovered very quickly that I was like, well, I, you know, I, if I want to grow this, then do, do I need to sort of taper this brand or what do I need to do to it? And I started asking all these questions and, and getting, I guess, getting quite negative about it and, being, and for being, it being what it was. And rather than being like, no, I've got this vision, I've got this passion, I've got this dream, I'm going to go do this, you know, and there will be critics and haters and naysayers and all the rest of it. Um, I started asking everyone's opinion. And the problem is opinions are like arseholes. You know, everyone's got one, but they shouldn't really be aired in public all that much. And then I got to the point the start of 2018 where I was just like I'd asked so many people you know tell me what you think you know and I think it was an identity issue for me tell me what you think of me and my thing and everyone would just give me their opinion and I, I, I and I got to the point where I was just like I, I, I talked it through with my wife saying I'm thinking of stopping this for a little bit having a little sort of sabbatical for want of a better word from it um, and then I, I just stopped altogether and she was more surprised than anyone she was like I didn't expect you to literally just like stop doing it altogether but I think it was one of the best things I ever did because now you know I'm I don't feel under pressure to be like the next x y and z you know insert hip craft brewery here um and I can start it again which I am doing on a small scale doing doing it for the sake of doing it because I love doing it without you know other people's opinions influencing it so much um yeah i had to get that in there no no and 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 i think you know uh there's the thing about the beer industry which is much the same as opinions and uh, and as you say assholes that you know unfortunately with the uh with the, with the beer industry everybody's got an opinion on it because so many people come into contact with it and, you know, some people will, will come from a view of, you know, I, I don't like beer, but, you know, there's lots of things we don't like that we don't even have to, uh, to be anywhere near. But you walk into a bar and ultimately, even if you're a wine lover and a beer hater, you're still going to be around beer. So you end up with these opinions that run wild and, um, and that, uh, that are both good and, um, and bad and indifferent. And the thing with, like you say, opinions um, is that, yeah, everybody's got one. But then on top of that, they're not wrong. But then don't go out to hurt somebody with it just because you disagree. And I'm a, I, the first time I bumped into it, I can even remember the lecturer at university. And uh, I remember him asking this question, you know, you know, what's people's opinion on this? And a few people gave their opinion and, and, uh, and he sort of turned to me and I gave an opinion. He went, you're wrong. And it was, well, hang on a minute, how you asked me my opinion. How on earth is my opinion wrong? I, I, I've kind of been 18 years on this planet and that's the first time I've been told an opinion's wrong. wrong. I can say it. People might have said, you know, that's hurtful or that's not nice or, you know, that's a great opinion or whatever else it is, but it can't be wrong. Um, 
until it starts to really, really hurt people. And then you've got a kind of question about how you keep that opinion to yourself, etc. And so I think that's where we get, you know, how many of these forums do we see? you know, uh, Twitter or Facebook, et cetera, where sort of at least once a month there's a reminder for people to stop being nasty. Mm. And the point, don't start hurting people with your language. That's just crazy. I totally agree with that because I, I remember I came up with the idea for the Hot 4 podcast as far back as 2017, which took me a whole year to pick up the courage, particularly having seen some of the comments that fly around in, you know, uh, some of these Facebook groups and on Twitter and social media in general, you know, uh, I, I thought, if, what, what if I put myself out there? And people are like, you don't know what you're effing talking about. You know, who are you to blah, 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 being broom, two minutes, blah, 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 and all the rest of it. And I didn't for ages. And then when I, when I finally put up the courage, I thought, I'm just going to do it anyway. You know, I, I've, it's been great. And I've had loads of support and encouragement. But um, as, as, you know, seeing we're talking about opinions, um, you know, you see it every so often spring up, particularly at the moment with all the debate around SBR and people waded into those conversations. And I've, I've been, you know, researching and doing, doing some podcasting with, with interviews with various people on different sides of the argument. I mean, there was one from a beer writer who'd been writing um, an article where he talked to Rupert from Hogsback and he got absolutely slaughtered yeah. on, on social media. And... He, he'd used the phrase manufactured outrage, which I, I, don't, I don't, that they were quite his choice of wording. And it obviously evokes a, a, a response, but it's, you know, again, the small versus large thing, people with their opinions. And it's, if one group shouts louder, it's almost like the other group's point of view isn't valid. But I've had conversation with people from the small breweries due to reform coalition. I don't always agree with them, but I th- I, I'm like, well, I can see the validity in that. So, in the in our industry that is so opinionated how can we navigate our way through that particularly if you're on the receiving end of it and that kind of negativity almost oh man um well even doing something like this i'm mindful that there are going to be people who shoot at me Mm. because i dare to have an opinion uh, or i dare to do something like this you know as far as i'm concerned this is just a a recorded thing between two mates talking about something that i'm really passionate about which is and you build uh, and and that through that uh, mutual passion we're having this chat and that you build businesses ultimately off people and treating people the right way yeah so you come back to the sort of how do you do that well let's just treat each other the right way because you go back to that wonderful thing of, um, that i bumped into at whitbread that stayed me, with me for the two decades which is that the debate is really important but let's stick with you know, facts and opinions. Let's not start telling other people that they're wrong. And let's appoint the right person, like in any organisation, to ultimately have a decision. So you can ultimately say, well, I don't agree with it, but at least we've done the debate decide. now we're just going to do. Because the other stuff is just paralysis, it's poisonous, it's corrosive, and all those other things and just drags you backwards. So I think, you know, keeping that open mind, keeping that on one hand that we want everybody to be uh, treated equally, that we don't want people in boxes, etc. You can't leap from that to then when it's really up close and personal, tell somebody that their opinion doesn't matter. That's just, that's just nuts. You know, do it on facts. Facts don't hurt people. And, um, and also, you know, as my little grandma would have said, you know, if you can't say anything nice, then don't say anything at all. Yeah, totally. And I really mean that. She was little. 
Um, just just changing tack slightly um, to anyone listening to this, whether they uh, they brew beer or they work in a bar or are involved in the supply chain at some level. Um, I think I think they'll attest that there are long hard hours involved in the production and sale and dispense of beer, and I think this obviously comes at a bit of a pitfall. Um, and we've talked about this on the, on the podcast before, um, such, drink, such as drinking too much um, from long shifts, you know, at the end of the night, you've been working the bar or it's been a long day on the canning line. And um, and just for the benefit of the tape and our listeners, there is an episode we did um, with Mike Sosa on alcoholism, which you can go back and listen to where we talk about this more. But how should we as an industry take better care of ourselves? Uh Again, the theme of this is so much of it starts with us. And if you feel that you're out of kilter, then you are. And, and it does start with us. And it starts with us sticking our neck out and saying, well, actually, we need to do things differently. So, you know, it would only take one person. And who knows from this it might happen, which is, you know, at the next Siva Beer X or the next Brow or the next Drink Tech, because let's face it, they will be back. You know, instead of sort of all arriving and sort of working the circuits and having beers with each other, somebody, maybe even maybe even we as Kickstarter might just say, well, actually, you know, we're going to, we'll just have a no and low night. And it gets everybody together, enjoying beers without the alcohol or without the excess alcohol, et cetera, that does something different. And those little moments start to feed into other areas. And so it does start with us and it starts with us sort of sticking our neck out. And, um, and, the other thing that we can do is we often think that um, there's this, uh, uh, we might have talked about this, Nick, and I once, once upon a time, which is these, these um, DIY stores in France called bricolage. And the definition of bricolage is you make do with what's around you. And a lot of the time we say we can't do that because we haven't got the time. We haven't got the money. Well, looking after yourself doesn't really cost anything. And looking after yourself is and we can say these things uh, within the brewing industry take a huge amount of time but it's not as if we're only ever working on that or very few of us are only ever working on that and certainly they if we are absolutely ingrained 24 hours a day and my goodness you know we built kickstart from scratch in a very competitive market but we still found time to switch off at moments and the and um, if you kind of jam the stick in the spokes of that stuff and go well i'm going for a walk even if it's just 20 minutes, that starts to change things. And mm. that starts to change things. And you leave your phone and you leave the workplace and you start to sort of soak in what's around you. That's when the thoughts start to come and how you can do things differently. And actually the, that, inter, that sort of momentary feeling of, of euphoria of just doing something different drives a whole load of other stuff. And actually from a Kickstarter point of view, you know, starting this um, and the slug that would be the startup, we started something called uh, FitStart. And, um, and it came principally from the fact that look, startup life's flipping tough and we've got to take care of each other. And it's not all about sort of boozing it um, with our prospective and uh, future customers. And there's a really brilliant film out there called Beer Runs. It won numerous awards five, six years, uh, maybe even longer, 10 years ago. And this guy was absolutely... Um, you know, uh, not a down, not a down and out as such, but certainly emotionally. And you know, he'd lost his wife, he'd lost his job, he'd lost a whole load of other things, and um, and almost saw no way out until. Um, and I can't remember the exact sequence of events, but essentially left his apartment, um, put on some trainers, left his apartment, went a run around the block. And at the end of running around the block, he dropped into the local bar, 
and had this feeling of actually the world isn't as dark and as grim as I had it down for only half an hour ago. And then I seem to remember either he had read or he then started reading on the correlation between that feeling of euphoria that that first beer or an, a, a, an appropriate amount of beer or alcohol can give you and how that correlates to sport, etc. And before you know it, this little sort of beer runners club started and there's little beer runners clubs all over the world. And it is, you go out for a run together and you all finish in a bath. And I think it's absolutely super. So what do we do with Fitstar? Um, so every Monday, uh, once we've kind of all had our meetings, then everybody sort of gets out and does something together when we're allowed to be together. Now it's a case of we go and do our own thing at other ends of the country and sort of put a little note on Slack at the end of it. Um, I make a contribution towards people's gyms mem gym membership. Um, I make a little bit of money available for people to get the equipment they might need, you know, new trainers and shirts and stuff. And yes, we were doing this during the startup, but it comes back to one of your points around why don't people do it? Because it costs time and money. But you know what? It's everybody's into it. Everybody's mm -hmm. up for it. We are not um, uh, gods and goddesses <laughs> of... Uh, of um, uh, and, uh, and um, you know, in uh, immense physical uh, shape. But as a whole, it's a good bunch who all love uh, appropriate amounts of competition, who do what they need to kind of keep their head above water with all of the hard work that goes on. Yeah. And, um, uh, but it works for us and other people will have their own versions. Yeah. I love that because I think it's easy to fall into the pitfall of prioritizing spending on new machinery, you know, new canning line, keg fillers, depalletizers, whatever it is, you know, the, the latest toy gadget thing that you quite unquote need, but we're really reluctant to invest that time, energy and money in staff through training courses or education, or, you know, like say, um, perks like, and, and benefits, healthcare and pension and all the rest of it. Um, I mean, do you, do you think some of this comes down to a lack of mistrust on behalf of the company or the owners of the managers or whatever, uh, that if somehow we invest all this money and time into somebody, they'll just sort of swan off to another brewery or bar down the road and, and, and we'll feel shortchanged, like somehow the universe is a big pie and it's kind of like, well, if they take their slice of the pie, there's left, less pie left for me. Uh, absolutely. Uh, you know, it's one of the first things we talked about a while ago, which is this lack of trust drives an awful lot of uh, stuff. There's um, uh, uh, there's a, an interesting sort of theory about the sort of five dysfunctions of, of high-performing teams, and it starts with safety and trust. You know, that if you can't make it safe and trustworthy for people, and let's face it, this has got nothing to do with business as such. This is just in the home. Yep. If it's not safe and you can't trust the people that you're around with in the home, then you're not going to get to the next level, which is... Um, kind of mastering conflict, which is, um, it's absolutely fine for me to disagree with you, Nick, and it's fine for you to disagree with me. We don't dislike each other. We still have the same passion for people. You know, we still have a passion for our wonderful beer industry, but we just have a difference of opinion on one thing. Let's not let that one thing overshadow the other 3,000 things that we have in common, but absolutely right, it comes back to trust. And I don't know why we do it, but we kind of, do a whole load of sums on new machinery, new vessels, yeah? And we kind of go and raise a whole load of money and expose our, our homes and our families to this risk. And then we spend the money and we just expect everything to be fine. Well, you know, here's, here's the news flash. Um, those machines don't always work. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's an awful lot of money to fix. 
Um, they're not simple. Um, whacking them with a hammer doesn't necessarily work. Sometimes it takes an awful lot longer. And I know everybody listening will know this, but the point is, is guess what? People are the same. And so when we're putting into people, let's kind of love and nurture them the right way as well. And if we want a machine to run at 160 an hour, well, let's make sure we're clear with the person that we want them to run 160 an hour. But if we also want to turn the machine up to 200 an hour, the first thing one of your, one of your operational guys is going to say is, yeah, but that might break the machine. Well, guess what? It's going to break a human as well. So let's get comfortable with the fact that, you know, none of these things are perfect, that everything is an investment. And, you know, my, my principle sort of um, for a long time is we will love people into a business and we will absolutely love them on the way out. Because if I really make it that awesome, they won't want to go anywhere. But if they do want to go somewhere because they can, I, because I've been really clear that I can't give them what they want right now, they're only going to leave as a friend, a friend to the industry. They're only going to leave as a mate. They're only going to leave as an advocate. And I can think of... Yeah, I hope the team don't worry about this from a case of anything more wonderful than the team being approached, you know, every single one of them being approached by 10 different people saying, look, you know, we'd love you to come work here because Mike, they'll feel fantastic. But then the flip side, which is, but I know what I've got in what we've created at Kingstar and what Christian gives us as a leader. And I'd like to stay here and see this back out right now. Thank you. Because yeah. that's cool. That's cool. Yep. I can personally attest to somebody that has left jobs badly, not on account of anything I've done, um, but just because they've not been favourable to be moving on. You know, it, it can leave such a sour taste in your mouth when you're like, well, I, you know, I, I, I gave my heart and soul to this. And, you know, ra rather than being like, you know, thank you for all that you've done, we really appreciate it. It's just being like, well, you've really landed us in it and blah, 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 blah. It's like, you know, it's that does nothing for your for your brand so to speak in the long term because it doesn't make me an advocate of the particular brand you know mm -hmm. it just it just makes me more like well you know what goes on behind closed doors isn't you know what you see up front yeah. and it's uh you know there's a real lack of integrity there but i could i, I won't go on about that but I, you know i could do and i think anyone listening to this is if i think if you you know you need, you need to end well and then if, if you've got somebody on the way out of your business for whatever reason they want to move on, then, you know, yeah, if, if they end well and, the, and they, they go on as, like you say, as friends, then they'll still they'll still be all like, you know, if, let's say, you know, somebody works in, I don't know, for a, a plumber or something, you know, and, and then um, they move on to something else, you know, and then you're in a conversation down the pub when we can go in pubs again, you know, and um they're like, do you know any plumbers? Oh, I know the perfect plumber I used to work for one is amazing. You know, rather than being like, oh, you don't want to get those guys out. Right, knobhead. Yeah. But th uh, anyway. And, and there's an interesting one, which is, um, uh, you know, kind of traits of leaders and stuff like that, which is we all tend to project bits of ourselves onto other people. And, you know, if somebody's telling you, you've landed this in it, it's entirely your fault. Then to be honest with you, you probably weren't in tune with the individual in the first place. Um, you probably hadn't thought about the sort of the, the overall sort of risk and importance of that person to the business, etc. And you know, think, you know, if you drove a car like that, which is slamming into the back of somebody and saying, "Well, you shouldn't have put your brakes on," you know, 
well, we all know how the insurance company would deal with that. And the yep. so, so, you know, it, it's never perfect and emotions run high. You know, that's one of the problems. Machines don't have emotions. Machines don't answer back. You know, people do, etc. But if you make that environment safe and you make it kind of cool for people to sort of say, well, actually, I disagree with you. And we really think about the consequences of stuff, which is very, very hard. I agree. Um, but taking what what do the All Blacks call it? They kind of call it a blue head. You know, keep a blue head. Yeah, which is keep cool. You know, somebody's left. That's that's okay. For some reason, it wasn't right. And do you know what? Here's the other thing. It might have nothing to do with you or them. It might just be because things have changed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Well and truly out of your control have changed. Yeah. Bill, well, it's been amazing having you on the show today. Um, I always find our conversations inspiring. Um, last question then, um, just sort of generally speaking, where do you see the beer industry heading over the coming years, especially in light of everything the world's facing at the moment? Uh, you'd expect me to say this, but it's um, kind of difficult to say. Um, however, beer has been at the has been the spine of, or been at the forefront, or helped us get through so many situations like this. And I know it's really hard for all of us to see at the moment, you know, when we've had salary cuts and we've had sort of friends that are losing jobs and businesses closing down. But there have been tougher times than this with way less, uh, how should I call it, social security, et cetera. Um, and beer has kind of been there for us and will continue to be there. We have such a unique, I remember a wonderful leader, uh, Stuart McFarlane at AB InBev, I remember him doing this thing, and forgive me anybody that works in this market, but he said, you know, every day I get to lead a business and work in beer. And I couldn't get this excited. And I couldn't get this infused if it was air freshness, for example. (laughs) So don't kill me, anybody. But um, and and everybody's got their right to their own passion. I'm not saying it's wrong or right, but we do. I'm I'm certainly been very fortunate of what everybody's done for me in this industry, and that we have a very unique industry, a very social, uh, a very social industry, which right now is why it hurts more than any because of the nature it's so social and what, what. can't we do we can't be as sociable as we'd like and so um i see beer um continuing and um, to be the spine of the backdrop of lots of things that we do sure it will change off trade on trade um uh, and pack size um sure it will accelerate some trends but then likewise it will also um bring in brand new trends of which so many wonderful brewers have adapted to and supported brilliantly um and i, I read something years ago on how beer was kind of considered this wonderful thing that we go back to the debate as i do give people a beer they loosen up. When they loosen up, they talk more honestly. And so almost beer will be part of the honesty that we need to stop these kind of things happening again or to cope with these things way better in the future as well. So, um, look, it's a bit of a, a bit of a holier-than-now style statement, but it will still be there and it will continue to develop and we will see um, new trends come out of it. And if that means that sort of people are drinking more responsibly and people have got more opportunities to consume the things that they love the right way and we see, you know, an accelerated trend in no and low alcohol as well, Today's episode of the Hot Club Podcast was brought to you by SSB Show. How can people tanks to full houses? SSB Limited has got you covered. SSB Limited established themselves.
Their part shop stocks well over a thousand essential brewery parts to keep your brewery up and running, many of which are available on the next day Visit their website on Thanks for tuning in to our full podcast this week. Don't forget, we're here to help you get ahead in the brewing and beer business. So hit the subscribe button for more insights into the beer industry. Connect with us at hotforward.beer or through our social media channels at hotforwardbeers. Until next time, cheers. Hey,